Dr. Janice Huntingford is a 1984 graduate of the Ontario Veterinary College, University of Guelph and Guelph, Ontario, and a board-certified specialist in canine rehabilitation and sports medicine, one of only three in Canada. She is certified in animal chiropractic by the American Veterinary Chiropractic Association, in animal acupuncture by the International Veterinary Acupuncture Society, in Chinese herbal medicine, and is a certified veterinary pain practitioner. In 2007, Dr. Huntingford opened Ontario's first saltwater canine therapy pool and canine rehabilitation center. She lectures nationally and internationally on rehabilitation, acupuncture, geriatric medicine, herbal medicine, and pain management to veterinarians and veterinary technicians. She's authored or co-authored several textbook chapters on rehabilitation and published a number of peer-reviewed manuscripts. She consults and sits on a number of advisory boards related to herbal medicine, laser therapy, and holistic medicine. She teaches regularly at Cornell University and is involved in resident training for canine sports medicine and rehabilitation for Cornell University College of Veterinary Medicine. Dr. Huntingford is active in research into the treatment of animal pain. In this conversation, Dr. Huntingford and I discuss her upbringing in Ontario, her veterinary school education, managing private practice while studying and passing her specialty boards, and what it's like to have a child follow her footsteps into veterinary medicine. Please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Janice Huntingford. Dr. Huntingford, thanks for joining me. Nice to be here, Neil. So where'd you grow up? Well, I'm from Canada, so I grew up uh, just outside of a little town called Tilbury, Ontario, right out on uh, Lake St. Clair. And when did the idea of uh, becoming a veterinarian happen? Uh, I think perhaps when I was about four years old, um, I always liked to dig in the dirt and catch worms and we were out on the lake. So I was always catching turtles and fish and frogs and trying to fix them and catching injured birds and things like that. So I had always wanted to be a veterinarian. Did, uh, so where did you go to, to uh, do your undergraduate studies? I went to the University of Guelph in Guelph, Ontario, and um, I was studying for a, just a straight Bachelor of Science. And at that time, because um, I graduated from vet school in 1984, but at that time, uh, we had grade 13, one more year after uh, high school than you have in the U.S. And then after taking only one year of undergrad, you could apply to fast track into veterinary school, which is what I did did and I got in so I never did finish my bachelor of science. That's great. So uh, tell me how it works in Canada. So uh was Guelph because you were a resident of Ontario was that your only option or did you could you have applied at other schools in Canada if you wanted to? Well, it is very regional as to which school you can apply to. Uh, if you are a resident of Ontario or uh, English-speaking Quebec, you can apply to the Ontario Veterinary College in Guelph. If you are in any of the Western provinces, British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, or Manitoba, they now have two schools out there, one that is in Saskatoon and one that's in Alberta. And uh, if 
if you are French speaking, there's a French school in Montreal for veterinary medicine. And then the Atlantic provinces all go to the uh, Atlantic Veterinary College in Prince Edward Island. And at the time that I applied, there was only the French school. Uh, there was the Ontario Veterinary College and there was uh, the school out west in Saskatoon. We actually had 20 places in our class for students from the uh, Atlantic provinces. Ah, okay. So how big was your class? 120. That's good sized. Yeah, pretty good size. So what percentage were women, do you think? Oh, I know exactly. <laughs> because <laughs> my my class was 51% women. It was the first class in history that had more women uh, than men. Previous to that, like the, the three or four classes that graduated just ahead of me had somewhere between 10 and 15% women, but the, they decided that they needed more women in the profession. So our class was the first where there were more women than men. Wow. So any idea what, say, Guelph runs now as far as percentage of women? Oh, yeah. It's about 98% women, about 2% yeah. men. Yeah. Yeah. Is class size pretty similar or has it grown? Uh, it's still 120 right now. Yeah. Okay. So uh, cost of education, has it has it risen like it has in the U.S. or is it stable? Well, okay. So it was 1984. My, my tuition per semester for veterinary school um, was $500 a semester. <laughs> So wow. it, wasn't, it wasn't very much. So if you had a decent job, you could make enough money to pay for your education, to pay for your housing and, you know, that that kind of stuff. I was actually pretty lucky I had scholarships. So I, I never uh, really had to worry too much about that. Now, my daughter just graduated from uh, from the Ontario Veterinary College in Guelph in 2017. And the tuition per uh, per year there for Guelph is about uh, 12000 per year. So, All right. All right. So a big jump. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what? let's take a brief sidetrack. What, what is she going to do then? What's her goal? Well, she she's practicing in a small animal practice right now. Uh, her practice is up by Ottawa. She's really uh, very much enjoying it. She's married to a dairy farmer, so she does a little bit of uh, a little bit of large animal. But she she's loving small animal medicine, and uh, she really thinks it's the best career ever. Which I think that's great. I just wish she'd come and work with me, but you know that's how it goes. Sure. So do you keep in touch with your classmates? Um, I do. In fact, I just saw a couple of them uh, yesterday. I was up in Guelph doing some lectures for the students and met up with a couple of my classmates who are up uh, that way. And uh, I also was at a little um, uh, a little bit of a, I guess it was kind of like a mini reunion. There were quite a few of us who were at the uh, the Ontario Vet Medical Association conference. It wasn't an official reunion, but we, there was a few of us who met up. Any sense of, uh, I, I'm only asking because I was just at a conference uh, last, last weekend and talking to a classmate and, and the number of our classmates that have had children that have gone into veterinary medicine, which is good and interesting. I just, do you have a sense of that? Yeah, uh, yeah, there's not very many. There are a few of 
of uh, my classmates whose children uh, went into veterinary medicine. I think maybe including my daughter, maybe four. The interesting thing is one of my classmates, her daughter was also uh, in Melissa's class. So oh, it was wow. pretty funny when they had their graduation, we took like a picture of the four of us. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's great. So that, that was, yeah, that was funny. So I think it's not really very many. And from talking to my classmates, many of them are not recommending that their children pursue veterinary medicine. They think that it's too hard of a career for too little reward. Well, that's understandable. Mm -hmm. So what was your, when you were in school, were you thinking small animal? Did you have, what was your thinking as far as what your career was going to look like? Um, I always wanted to do small animal. Uh, I liked horses, but I was, um, and I did some riding when I was younger, but I, I was never, never felt that uh, called to do that. I did really like pigs though. And I mean, I'm, I married an Aggie and uh, we had pigs for a number of years. So yeah, I liked small animals and I liked pigs. So I always wanted to do small animals. Was there any exposure to integrated medicine while you're in school? Uh, there really wasn't. There, there was no mention of integrative medicine. There was no mention of things like acupuncture or chiropractic or, uh, or anything like that. So what happened? Where'd you go when you graduated then? So I worked in a, I worked in a small animal practice for about two and a half years. And then um, I had an opportunity to work with a classmate of mine who was in a mixed practice that was just like five minutes from my house. So I thought that's kind of a really good opportunity. And they said to me, oh, well, you won't have to really do any large animal because I'm like, I don't really want to and I haven't done any, but that wasn't true. So <laughs> I'm probably the only veterinarian who ever went from doing you know, two and a half, three years of small animal to doing 10 years of mixed practice. Oh, so it was, that was interesting. You just never know. Uh, you never know where life is, is going to take you. That's for sure. So when did the idea of integrated medicine, what, what prompted you to, to think about that? Well, so that I, I had uh, patients that I really couldn't get better with conventional medicine. And it bothered me because I'm like, I know there's got to be something else that I can do. But it really started with this little dog by the name of Missy who had a back problem. And um, the, the client took her to Michigan State because I thought, well, maybe she needs to have surgery. She should see a neurologist. And the neurologist, you know, looked her over and, and did a myelogram because that's what they did then and said, yes, she has a slightly compressive disc we probably should do surgery. And he didn't want to do that. So she came back into my practice and um, he said, I want another option. And so I sent him to Guelph and they had the same options for him. So he came back and said to me, um, I want to see a chiropractor because when I have a back problem, I see a chiropractor. Sometimes I get acupuncture. And I remember looking at him and thinking, oh no, it's one of these people. So I said, well, okay, you're my, you're my client. Uh, I'll see what I can find out for you. And so I'm practicing in Essex, Ontario, which is the biggest center closest to us is Detroit, Michigan. So I had done some continuing education with the Southeast Michigan uh, Vet Medical Association group. So I called up Barbara, the secretary, who is still the secretary now. <laughs> but I called up Barbara and she told me who I wanted 
wanted to see. And she proceeded to tell me that her dog saw this great veterinarian and he did acupuncture and he did chiropractic. And, you know, so she gave me all the information and I passed that information on to my client. But I said to him, and I always will say when I'm talking to students about any kind of medicine, but particularly integrative, um, I said to him, okay, so I'm giving you this information because you are my client. I said, however, I just want you to know that I don't think that stuff works. (laughs) (laughs) So what year was that? Then That was in uh, 1990, let's see, must have been 97. Yeah, it was 1997. Do you remember who she referred you to? Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I remember who that was. And I can, at the moment, I can't recall his name. Jim, oh boy, he uh, was in Allen Park. <laughs> I'm trying to think what his name was. but I know who you're speaking of. I just can't remember his last name. Yeah, I, I can't remember his last name either. But so anyway, as as the universe would have it, in the next three months after Missy, I had six patients that I referred to this veterinarian and he got them all better. So you only have to hit me over the head a few times. So finally, after patient number six, I called him up and I wanted to know, you know, what he was, what was he he was doing and that kind of stuff. So I called him up and he said, oh, he said, I've been waiting for you to call me. I'm like, (laughs) you have been? And uh, he said to me, yes. He said, I am here to tell you that you have been chosen. And I'm like looking at my dial-up phone in my hand going, oh my God, this guy is out to lunch. He said, you have been chosen to do uh, alternative medicine. Where do you want to start? And I said, oh, okay, that's interesting. Well, I mean, I knew about chiropractors, so I wanted to start with doing chiropractic. So he gave me the information on the options for animals course, which I um, phoned them up and I registered for uh, for a course. And Sharon Willoughby, who really is the the godmother, I guess, of veterinary chiropractic was the one who taught the course. And I have to say, taking that course changed how I looked at medicine. I've never been the same since. So what year was that? That was in 1998. Okay. So you were there just the year before me in in Hillsdale. In Hill, yep. Hillsdale, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. So what pra- what kind of practice were you in your own practice at this point? Or so yes, you? I was I was in my own practice. My um my partner and I had bought out the practice in the little town of Essex from the guy who owned it. He he and his wife were they had a couple of practices and they decided they were just gonna be in one. And so they sold that one to us in uh nineteen eighty eight. And I actually bought him out in nineteen ninety four. So I was at that time the sole owner of the practice and I had uh, a, an associate at that point. Ah, so that made it easier to go to class then? It did. Yes, indeed. So I imagine, well, tell me, how did you find that experience going to chiropractic, uh, the program and sitting next to chiropractors? and? Well, actually, I thought it was a great program and I really learned so much about chiropractic and I had a, a great respect for chiropractors and, um, you know, just the, the history of how chiropractic worked what was very interesting. And I made some friends who are still my friends today. And, you know, we stayed at the same bed and breakfast and, and it was great. And we still, we still see each other and, uh, 
uh, but my, my friend who's a chiropractor has actually now, uh, she's retired from her human practice, but uh, she still does a, a, she still does a few dogs, but um, yeah, yeah I, I, so I made some great friends with that. I learned an awful lot. Uh, I met my friend, Lori McCauley, who at that time was starting to do rehabilitation and uh, learned a lot from her. And actually that really influenced me. And uh, so I went on and did a bunch of rehab and eventually acupuncture and herbal medicine. And it, it, it's one of those things that reminds me of the, um, you're probably familiar with The Hobbit and, and Bilbo Baggins who wrote a song about, you know, heading down the road and how it's a dangerous thing to put your toe in the road because the road will take <laughs> you. Well, that's kind of the way integrative medicine was with me. I put my toe in it and it just took me. Oh, geez. So was that acupuncture next as far as formal training? Uh, rehabilitation. And, okay. and then after that, acupuncture. Yeah. And where, where did you do your acupuncture? So I did my uh, basic course through IVAS and I did that because it was in Toronto. So that was a, a train ride for me up there because uh, you had to go once a month and it was all throughout the winter and it's not so fabulous to drive <laughs> up and down the 401 in the winter in Canada. It's pretty snowy. So but it was a, uh, it was, you know, it's a four hour train ride. And I went, I think it was once a month for five months. And then, you know, you had the exam module. And again, I made some really, really good friends. Some of my best friends in integrative medicine and anywhere uh, came from my acupuncture course. So what year was that? Uh, that was 2003, 2003, 2004. Yeah. Okay. So we missed each other because I did the, I did the AVAC course the, the previous time. So like, uh, <laughs> Oh, in, in Vancouver? No, in, uh, in Ontario. Oh, in, in, in Toronto. In, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At, at the, at the acupuncture school there. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. What a wonderful place to take a course. Yeah. That was a nice spot. Yeah. So where did you do your rehab? So I did, first of all, I did the University of Tennessee's course, mm -hmm. which was very interesting. And I think I was in the second course that was ever offered. And at that time, the the course had a lot, a lot of people. There was a lot of lecture. It was like packed and your labs were very, very huge. So you got very little hands-on experience doing rehab. So I came out and I sort of felt that when I was done that if I had been a physical therapist, I might have been okay because I would have already had the skills with my hands. I would have gotten the theoretical knowledge that I needed, but I wasn't really happy. But I thought, okay, I'll do some basic stuff. I'm going to work around this. I'm going to figure it out. But then um, Lori McCauley called me one day and told me she was going to be teaching in the, uh, the Canine Rehab Institute class in Florida and that I might, you know, find it interesting because I had talked to her about how I was having issues with doing some of these things. So I, so I took that course too. <laughs> And then I took, you know, a lot of different fill-in advanced courses in there. And I started taking more acupuncture courses and so <laughs> took some, uh, uh, you know, a whole bunch with the chi and, uh, you know, just kind of took all of the courses that I could in, in integrative medicine and fell in love with doing herbal medicine as well. So <clears throat> uh, herbal medicine was through the chi, yes? Yes, I did um, herbal medicine through the chi. I did a little bit through, uh, like I through a few other things, just little courses, you know, here and there. But most of it was through the chi. Yeah, and all this time, did you have an associate? 
So, yes, I I had kind of one and a half associates all this time or else I would never have been able to leave my practice. Right. Right. Okay. So you've got all this done. You're doing and you're doing it in your practice now. When does the um, opportunity to get boarded in sports medicine come up? Well, you know, I had uh, I had two practices at one time. In 1992, I I had a baby. I had my baby who is now Dr. Melissa. And <laughs> and I also started a second veterinary hospital with, a, with another partner. And then one of her associates bought me out in 2006. And at that point, I put on my, the addition onto my main practice and I put in a, a big rehab center with a, uh, with a pool and an underwater treadmill and, and that kind of stuff. And so I was at um, the International Rehab Conference that was in Auburn, and that would have been in probably 20, I'm thinking maybe it was 2012, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, So I was at that conference, and that was when I heard about the College of Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation. And I'm like, oh, I think I really would like to do that. I'd really like to, uh, I'd I'd really like to become boarded. And, you know, and then we we found out all of the people that were grandfathered in. And I was really surprised that my friend Lori McCauley hadn't been grandfathered in. But anyway, so then I was really kind of in the back of my mind. And I was really, you know, I was kind of thinking about this and thinking about this and thinking about Lori and and uh, I was just thinking, yeah, I think something kept telling me, yeah, yeah, you really have to do this. And I'm like, I don't know that I want to do this because that's going to involve a lot of studying. And I knew it involved me having to write uh, a paper in, uh, you know, that would be published. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do any scientific research. I've never lectured to anybody in my life. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. Well, so, but I thought, okay. And, you know, I was doing all these things and I was praying about it. And I really felt that I was supposed to do this. So I contacted Jan Van Dyke and I uh, asked her about how to do this. And at that, that time, she was the president of the uh, the American College of Veterinary Sports Medicine. And, and rehab. And, and so she said, you know, she would do that. And she agreed to be my mentor for the practice experience path. And she put me in touch with uh, Dr. Joe Walkschlag, who is also boarded in sports medicine rehab and a nutritionist up in Cornell. And she put me in touch with him because Joe has written about 100 research papers, always had stuff uh, on the go, projects that needed to be written up and that kind of stuff. So I went up to Cornell and I met with Joe and Joe and I really, really hit it off. And I wrote a couple of papers with him. And it was interesting because he said to me, I don't know why you're going through the practice experience program for this. And I said, well, I said, that's because what what I was told, the only one I could go through. And he goes, you know, if you write two papers and you do some speaking, he said, you can go through as an initial applicant. Because by that time, he'd been down and seen my practice and he knew I'd been doing rehab for at least 10 years. And so, so that's what happened. So within about six months, I did two research projects, published them. And, uh, you know, I, I'd gotten to speak at Cornell and a couple other 
places like that and just went through and studied very, very hard for an entire year and wrote my board exam. And But I have to tell you, as a practitioner who's writing a board exam, I mean, I was practicing the whole entire time. And my family would tell tell you that they didn't see me. So I would work and I would every, every day at lunch, you know, I would read papers and I would do that kind of stuff. And I took off like one hour early <laughs> that I never took off. Like I finished at five instead of at six. And from five to six every night before I went home for dinner, I, you know, read more textbook chapters. And then I'd come home. My, my husband and my daughter are chefs. They make me food. And then by seven o'clock, I was upstairs at my desk studying for at least three hours and then in bed at like 1030. And so that's what I did every day for about a year. So anyway, it was a lot of work. Yeah. So that, um, those, so those were the two paths really that you had uh, available to you as a private practitioner to, to get into that college. Yeah. Yeah. So the practice experience path, which is still available now, but the other one was the initial applicant path. And it was really for people like me who had been doing rehab for at least 10 years and who had contributed significantly to the sports medicine and rehabilitation, whether as a professor teaching or whether as a researcher or, you know, that kind of stuff. So there was, it was like a point system. You know, you got so many points if you had done this and this and this. And, and Joe really helped to set me up. Like he said, oh, he said, I'm supposed to write this chapter on neurological rehabilitation for Curtis Dewey. But he goes, you would be very good at doing this. You can write this. And then that's, you know, certain more publications for you. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, <laughs> so I worked very hard at doing that. Uh, oh, oh, it was a lot of work. That was, yeah, I bet that was really nice of him. I, I, uh, I'm, want to loop back and echo your sentiment that it, I found it at the time to be uh, a tragedy that Dr. McCauley was not grandfathered in with the rest of the the initial yeah. crew. Yes, I I would agree because she she was the one who really developed the underwater treadmill and she was the one, you know, who really did this and it's very funny because, you know, I was planning to do my boards and all this and I and I called Lori up and I said, "Lori, you know, I, I said I just have this feeling that I need to talk to you." And I said, "I think you need to credential for the for the sports medicine board and she actually was she had everything all in line she just had to write the exam because she'd already done some textbook writing she'd done some chapters she'd done lots of speaking by this point so she already had her 100 points she just had to write the exam so she actually wrote her board exam um at the with the cycle before mine so anyway but she just said you know jan it's really funny because i was just thinking about that but i didn't know and she said but she said she was praying and she said lord i need you to give me confirmation of this is what i'm supposed to do and then suddenly i call her so she goes yep i guess that's what i'm supposed to do <laughs> so, oh that's good yeah i do want to to emphasize i mean i am uh wholly appreciative of the the effort it must take or must have taken to maintain a practice to do that sort of studying to enter even that kind of academic rigor with writing papers and you know that sort of thing after having been in practice for so long 
Uh, yeah, I was <laughs> I was in practice for a long time because I well I graduated in 1984 and I wrote my board exams in January of 2015. That's when I passed. That's a uh, long time. That's a long time, and yeah. I mean, I, I think when just thinking about it, I was thinking about it before we got on today, and just the amount of effort that that took. I really have to congratulate you. <laughs> well, yeah, it it. It was a, it was a lot of work, and looking back at it, I'm like, wow, I'm not sure what it was I did that I had time enough to do that. But anyway, it was it was funny because I was, uh, you know, I have a couple of residents that I'm helping now so that they can pass their boards and going through some of my stuff. And I realized I'd read like about 15 textbooks, and I read about a thousand research papers, and I'm just like, wow, this is like. This was a lot of work. I'm not sure how I did it, really, Neil, when I think about uh, it now. One day at a time, I guess, right? I guess that's how, that's how it is. Now, did you have any – did uh, Joe help you with review or how did you – did you have any sort of study group or anything you worked with? So, yeah, so I I actually talked to Joe and his uh, resident, Chris Fry, uh, once a week on Monday for about six or eight months before my board exam. But I also had another study group that was composed of myself and uh, Dr. Rick Wall from Texas and Dr. Joe Spoo, who's in Dakota, and uh, we had a German guy as well, Philip Wankels. And so we we did uh, like Skype calls and we did that. We did that about once a week. So that that was very helpful. And we, you know, exchanged, we would read things and exchange things. And and that that was really, really great to have uh, some good and made some great friends doing that. Um, and it was really good to have that group of people to, you know, to talk to and, and to tap into. And I think I've always said that the best thing about going through the, the whole board exam process is the people that I've met along the way and the great practitioners that I've met and the brain trust. So if I have a problem with a case, you know, there's a surgeon I can email and say, hey, what do you think about this? And here's something. And it's somebody that I can email and who's going to get back to me usually within 24 hours, at least, if not, you know, right away, if they happen to be by their phone and say, hey, Jan, love to talk to you about this. Or have you ever seen this? Or, you know, what about this? And and uh, so it, it's a it, it's been a great experience for me. That's really wonderful. Um, you know, obviously, your case is a bit extreme as far as in the preparation and studying for a, for a yeah. board certification exam, I just I think it's a good point to make um, that I think it's really valuable for for people in our field to pursue some advanced certification or you know look at uh, maybe advanced uh, acupuncture training or the a master's degree or taking the FAA VA exam or something like that. I think it's really helpful once you're out and doing the therapies to apply yourself and really dig deep. And, and, you know, I would agree, but because as you know, I did do a master's in TCVM. <laughs> I've done advanced acupuncture. And I was just thinking, you know, I think I need to take something else. I don't, I, uh, maybe, maybe it's just uh, the, the fact that I get bored easily or something. But you know what it, it really is? It's like, well, okay, I had this one patient and 
with all the things that I do, I still couldn't get them better. Well, I mean, I need to just figure out that that's what happens sometimes. But, you know, sometimes it's just there's a little thing in the back. Maybe if I knew a different point, if I knew a different acupuncture point, if I knew a different way to look at this, that might be better. But I guess really what it is, Neil, is that I think I want to be the best person that I can be for for my patients more more than anything else. And because I think this profession is great if you're a lifelong learner. And I, I think I don't have enough lifetimes to learn. I mean, I would love to know, I, I know something about herbal medicine, but God, I would love to know more about it. I would love to be the person who plants the herbs and makes her own formulas and that kind of stuff. But I, I don't I don't have enough time to do that. I'd need another life to do that. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, we haven't even touched on uh, all the lecturing that you do and you're yeah. involved in organized veterinary medicine. And oh, God. Yeah. Now, do you, do you have associates now or no? Yes, I I have one associate and I'm actually looking for an intern. So I'd love to have an intern because I, I've, I had one full-time associate and one part-time associate, both of whom I sort of lost. And now I have another full-time associate, which is good. But I, I think that... Um, you know, from from training these students and having all these students and figuring out what it is that they're learning now in veterinary school, uh, there's something to be said for us older practitioners mentoring younger people. And I have got a couple of sports medicine residents, but they're practice experience residents and they're bang on. They're not, you know, they, they were out in practice. They, they know what they're doing. But I think if I, I am a specialist, I can have an intern and I think I could really help them. So I'll probably do that. Good. So have you, have you given your daughter any professional advice? Oh my goodness. So <laughs> she calls me all the time and asks me for, I, can I have a consultation on this? Can, what, what about that? And you'll laugh because she was talking, her husband has dairy, well, his family has dairy cattle and um, they were, they were having, I can't I think what it was they were they were doing and I said oh I think you can use acupuncture for that because you know they don't like to use a lot of drugs and that sort of stuff with the cows and so I said okay so here try try this point called stomach 36 and here's where it is and I gave her a bunch of different things to do and she she looked in her anatomy book and figured out where this was and I sent her you know a cow acupuncture chart and and uh, so she she was uh, have kind of having some fun doing that and she goes oh yeah that really worked so anyway it was uh, it, it was kind of funny. So she asked me about things like that, but she's frequently calling me up and asking my opinion on uh, different things. And uh, you know, if you're going to do some rehabilitation exercises on this this dog, what would you do? Or you know, I know that I've seen you treat this condition with herbs. What herbs did you treat it with, and can you send those herbs to me? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that sort of stuff. So it's good. And I've said to her, well, you know, honey, you really need to take the acupuncture course. And of course, she said to me, well, mom, you said I would be better if I if I worked in general practice for five years before I took acupuncture. And I said, well, yeah, but I think you're, you're getting on three now. So I think you're pretty good. You probably could go and take that course. So anyway, I, but she, she is interested in that. And I'm like, well, you, cause she goes, yeah, cause I've seen all these things and they work. So why wouldn't I do them? So she should get some credit for prior time served being. A, there you, you know, go. <laughs> so I'm going to agree with you that she's probably ready now. Yeah. 
Although I do agree with you, and the, the, I think docs really need to have a good foundation in general medicine before taking these courses. Yeah, I I think so too. And particularly with, because I do see some of these students who want to come and they just want to come out and all they want to do is rehabilitation, which I think is fine. But the problem is that there are certain internal medicine conditions that I think you might miss. Like perhaps you might, you know, you have a dog and it's weak and this and that. Maybe it has immune you know, hemolytic anemia, or maybe it has a bleeding splenic tumor, or maybe it has Addison's disease. And if you hadn't really thought about that, or you'd never seen it or really sort of delved into it, those are things that I think you can easily miss. I, I, I agree. I certainly agree. So how do you feel about the future of the profession? Well, you know, <laughs> I'm doctor positive, right? <laughs> this is what my this is what my friends will say to me who maybe are not so positive. And I always say the future's so bright you got to wear shades, you know, that's what I think. I I yeah. still think we have the best profession, but I do think that uh, veterinarians have to work at it. I mean, when we went to school, we came out with a generalist license and we were told that we were the doctor and the veterinary school really tried to instill a lot of confidence in us that, you know what, we've given you the best that we can. And not, not to say that that was the beat all and end all, but we've given you the best that we can and you're going to go out and you're going to practice your profession just like all those generations of veterinarians before you. And, and that's really not I don't think what's being instilled in our students now. They're they're really being taught how, uh, you know, how they need to do an internship before they can do anything. They need to, you know, learn how to refer to specialists. And 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 I I agree. There's a, obviously there's a point for for all of that. But I would like to see a little bit more confidence in some of these students who come out. But perhaps it's just the ones that you know uh, that I've seen. But there's there's nothing. Thing, but maybe it has to do with the fact that we did have to do large animal. There's nothing like looking at a cow and having to do a C-section to give you a little bit of confidence. That's for sure. Oh, boy. Anyways. Uh, yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to stop. Thanks so much. Um, again, uh, I really appreciate your time and, and talking to me. And you've got such a, a different path than a lot of integrated practitioners have taken. And uh, again, I just want to congratulate you on the board certification for sure, because I know what an effort that must have been. Well, thanks so much. I'm always happy to talk to anybody about veterinary medicine of any kind. All right. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.